My name is Jackie Lamport. Today is Wednesday, November 17th. Welcome to the Capital Daily Podcast. Today on the show. There's something about imagining getting COVID or having your child get COVID when we're just weeks away from being able to vaccinate him that feels so much worse. As parents await Canada to approve vaccinations for children under 12, some parents are looking across the border to vaccinate their children earlier. And some are taking them out of in-person learning. Today, we learn more about the vaccine rollout for kids under 12 and hear a story from a parent who is looking to speed up that process. Today's Capital Daily Podcast is brought to you by Heat Savers Patio and Fireplace Company. Upgrade your existing wood or gas fireplace into a reliable, energy-efficient velour gas insert designed to be installed within an existing fireplace and chimney structure. Visit feelthewarmth.ca to see Heat Savers' extensive display on velour products to create the perfect at-home haven. While BC anticipates Health Canada's approval for the Pfizer vaccine for children from ages 5 to under 12, some parents are making the decision between waiting and going across the border to where they can vaccinate their children right now. America made the vaccine available for the age group on October 29th. After months of rigorous and independent scientific review, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, authorized and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, recommended the COVID-19 vaccine for children ages 5 through 11. The province has not given a specific date as to when the vaccination rollout will begin, as, like I said, they continue to wait on Health Canada. However, parents are already able to register their children to be notified and book as soon as possible. Shortly, we'll hear from Elise Cote, a parent of two children, one of whom is school-aged and will become eligible. But first, we'll get an update on where things are at with the province. Yesterday, Dr. Bonnie Henry held yet another press conference for COVID-19 in the province. One of the topics she discussed early on was vaccines for children. We anticipate that Health Canada will likely be uh, coming out with their recommendations around use of this vaccine for children very soon. And we have been reassured that there will be enough vaccine for the just over 300,000 children in this age group here in British Columbia. We expect that Health Canada will make their decision after a thorough process to review all of the data. We've seen that the importance of, of this independent review of the safety and how well the vaccine works, the effectiveness of this vaccine for children. And we are counting on Health Canada to continue to do that due diligence with this vaccine. And I know that they are doing that right now. And the National Advisory Committee on Immunization is working closely with them to look at all of the data on this vaccine and on children and will issue their recommendations at the same time as Health Canada recommendations come out. So that's great news. That means that we'll have that thorough independent review that we can rely on for making decisions. She then explained the difference between this vaccine and the ones available to those 12 and older. We said a few times that this is a version that is designed specifically for children. It has a smaller dose, about 10 milligrams, in a smaller amount. And that will mean less pain and discomfort with the, with the shot. But also it means that this is tailored for the immune systems of younger children so that it doesn't cause as much side effects and it can be strongly effective as well. 
And Dr. Bonnie Henry also noted that they are following the state's rollout that is already ongoing. We've also known, uh, and I was talking with my colleagues from the United States, and they have uh, rolled out the vaccine program for young children in the U.S. And we're getting lots of great information on safety and how well the vaccine is working there. Anticipating concerns from parents, she urged parents to start looking into safety now. Of course there's concerns. We all want to make sure that we're doing the best for our children. And we want to make sure that these vaccines are safe and are going to work. So speak to your family doctor, your pediatrician, your pharmacist. Get that information that will help you make those decisions about what's right for your child. And finally, Dr. Bonnie Henry commented on mandating vaccines for the age group. Vaccinating children in the younger age group will not be mandatory, but it will give your children as much protection as possible. The best path to immunity is not through illness, it's through immunization. And I encourage parents across the province to start looking into that now. As I promised, we'll shortly hear from Elise Cote, a parent who had considered taking her child across the border. That's coming in a moment, but before that, we'll speak to Capital Daily reporter Brishti Basu to get a better sense of what's going on. Brishti has continued to follow COVID in the province extremely closely and has now released an article about parents who have and have considered crossing the border to vaccinate their children sooner. Here's Brishti. Brishti, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Okay, you spoke to Elise Cote before I did. Um, She mentioned to you that her child's school has had multiple outbreaks. She did, yeah. The uh, Tillicum Community School, she said, has had three outbreaks so far, and this was the third. Okay. What can you tell us about school outbreaks overall on the island? Well, right now, there are 47 schools in the island health region with active exposure notices for COVID-19, and uh, 13 of those are in Greater Victoria. Oh, wow. Okay. There's a graph that you showed in the article that shows the impact uh, schools reopening in September had on cases. There's that nice line and then you start to see some numbers change. Can you explain what we can see there? Basically, what it shows is that COVID-19 cases kind of skyrocketed among children aged 5 to 11 right after school started. Mm -hmm. And it kind of went up and up and up until a certain point in early October Um, And then cases are now on the decline again, um, right after masks were mandated in schools. Okay. Yeah. There's always a, it always corresponds with masks. Always. (laughs) Um, Okay. So let's talk about mandates because uh, it's, it's kind of been the topic for a while now, not just regarding kids. It's also about the people who are working in schools. Um, So the, the workers in K to 12 right now, are there any mandates for vaccines? As of right now, there are no mandates for staff or workers at any K-12 schools in BC. Um, But Dr. Bonnie Henry, the provincial health officer, has stated that public health officials in the interior and northern health regions that are working with schools there are supportive of mandates Mm -hmm. um, just because of the number of cases they're seeing over there. So might see that for the north and interior. Okay, so it's, it's possible that that's coming. It's possible, yeah. In your reporting, has this been something that's talked about a lot or asked of our officials a lot? Uh, Quite a lot, yes. Actually, people have been asking since uh, before September whether or not there's going to be a vaccine mandate for teachers and workers. When it comes to children, uh, we do know that Dr. Bonnie Henry said that the vaccine will not be mandatory for children under 12. But what does that mean for the passport system? 
So the, for the BC vaccine card, it basically means that children under 12 just won't be required to get that card at all. They'll just be able to attend restaurants and all the other indoor public places that uh, everyone else needs okay. a vaccine card for. Okay, so the vaccinations of, of children under 12, it's, it's purely a opt-in situation. Pretty much. It's not mandatory at all. Okay. Now, there are a lot of parents who are clearly going to opt in. You've spoken to a couple for this article uh, who want it to happen even sooner. Um, I mentioned earlier that you spoke to Elise Cote, but you also spoke to another parent, and he actually is planning to cross the border. That's right, yeah. Um, He's a father of four in Vancouver, and he's got an appointment for his eight-year-old daughter at a Walmart in Bellingham um, on Monday, actually. Okay, so he's going to do the uh, crossing on the ferry, uh, providing your negative tests. Yeah, he is. Paying for everything, yeah? Yep. In talking to him, you found that this was important enough that if you could bump it up a couple weeks, then that's worth it. Exactly. Um, This particular parent was pretty fed up with how Canada has handled vaccines and handled the pandemic overall. And pretty much he wants to get his daughter protected as soon as possible. The province is definitely anticipating concern from parents who might be hesitant to vaccinate their children. Um, But we do have some numbers that we can rely on from our data, not other countries, and that's the children who are vaccinated who are over 12. What can you tell us about that age group? As we can see from that same graph that shows us the spike in cases, we can see that children aged 12 to 17 Cases in that age range kind of stayed stagnant after school started. There were some peaks and valleys, but definitely nowhere near as high as uh, kids under 12. We also know that throughout the pandemic, up until November 1st, no one in the age range of 12 to 17 that has been vaccinated has ended up in the hospital with COVID-19. So we do know that it prevents serious illness among among children. Do we have any idea of how long um, it could take till the rollout begins or what the timeline is for children getting vaccinated? The latest information we have is that Health Canada plans to complete the review of the Pfizer vaccine for kids by the end of the month. Um, Dr. Bonnie Henry also said on Tuesday that she encourages all parents and guardians to get their kids registered online as soon as possible so that they can get the vaccine as soon as it's available. The expectation, according to Dr. Bonnie Henry, is that every child who wants vaccine should be able to get it before the holidays. Okay, awesome. Brishti, thank you so much once again. Thanks again, Jackie. And we'll take a quick pause here for a word from our sponsor. Today's Capital Daily Podcast is brought to you by Heat Savers Patio and Fireplace Company. Heat Savers has installed thousands of fireplaces, stoves, and inserts and provides complete sales, installation, and after-sales service with their own dedicated staff. Velour products can warm up a cold basement, spruce up a corner nook, or add style to a small room. Visit feelthewarmth.ca to see Heat Savers' extensive display of Velour products. And now we speak to Elise Cote, a parent who had considered taking her child across the border to get the vaccine sooner. Elise, welcome to the show. Hi, Jackie. So first, I just wanted to ask uh, for yourself, did you get vaccinated as soon as possible? Absolutely. Yeah, I actually uh, was one of the people who were uh, searching for cancellations and um, trying to get in a little earlier. So, yes. Okay. And then, I mean, at the beginning, were you at all hesitant, assuming that your kids were eventually going to get it? No, not at all. Okay. I feel very confident um, in my understanding of the mRNA vaccine technology. And I, you know, absolutely trust the my healthcare providers who are recommending that 
that we all have it once Health Canada's had a look at the the science and the the trials. Okay, awesome. Um, I do know that Brishti told me that your child's school has had a lot of outbreaks. Uh, is this what spiked your concern about uh, how soon you're going to get the vaccine for your child? Yes. Yeah. We So we've actually um, made the decision to not send our child to school anymore until he is vaccinated. Um, his school's had three outbreaks already this year. And, um, you know, we're not going to sit around and wait for the fourth. Um, it, it just... There's something about, um, you know, imagining getting COVID or having your child get COVID when we're just weeks away from being able to vaccinate him that feels so much worse. And, um, you know, yeah, we're just uh, we're not going to send him to school anymore until he's vaccinated. So um, that for our family has meant um, sending him uh, to live kind of half time with um, my parents, which, you know, we feel very lucky to have, um, that option, but, um, we miss him and we, you know, we would prefer to have him here with us and be able to go to school. He's a kid who loves school. So mm -hmm. yeah, we definitely, um, for that reason are extremely eager to get uh, him vaccinated. And because of that, you were actually looking at crossing the border. Um, can you tell me about when you started thinking of that option? Yeah, so I actually um, had heard of a friend of a friend um, doing it, going to Port Angeles and getting a vaccine. And um, so that and, you know, that was around the time at that time we were actually still in isolation after um, my child was exposed to COVID um, at school and had um, that we know of at least um, two positive cases in his class. Hmm. So, um, you know, it was very real for us at that time. That was the, you know, uh, we were home, we were isolating, um, this was last week. And, uh, you know, hearing this, I thought that can't be real. It, they can't, it's hard for me to believe that you can just go to Washington state and they'll vaccinate your kids. So um, I phoned up this pharmacy in Port Angeles called Jim's Pharmacy. And the, uh, the pharmacist um, was extremely helpful and just basically said like, yeah, if you've got some ID and parental consent, we'll just give them a vaccine. Um, you know, and they kind of said like, well, we haven't actually vaccinated Canadians here. I'm not sure. But, you know, Washington State just gives us doses and there's no requirement that we check um, residency or citizenship to provide a dose. So I can't see any problem. And I honestly hearing this pharmacist be like, yeah, I've got a vaccine just sitting here and I could totally vaccinate your kid, gave me like full body shivers. It was so um, like such a long awaited moment to have someone say like, yeah, I can vaccinate your kid. Uh, so after that conversation and, um, you know, kind of being able to verify for myself that there were pharmacists, just a quick ferry ride away in Port Angeles willing to vaccinate, um, you know, can Canadian five to 11 year olds. Um, I started to really look into the details of it. Um, and that's where I then decided not to go through with it because, um, you know, my, there's so many little administrative details, like, you know, my partner is a dual citizen and he only has uh, one passport that's uh, up to date uh, right now. And so then, you know, you're technically supposed to travel with both and is that going to be a problem? And um, it's his, you know, other passport is from Mexico. So that becomes a little trickier with the U.S. And, um, you know, and then looking at the the COVID tests for 
going there and back and then, you know, okay, well, I'm going to have to check my health insurance and is it, have they increased that coverage uh, or have they consistently made it cover COVID? Because, you know, there's a small possibility that we could get stuck there, uh, you know, test negative, but have something in our symptom, in our systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just all this admin was kind of piling up and I'm like, okay, I could still do it. Like we're, we could work on this. I could take a flex day on Friday next week and we could do this. Um, but then it was later in the day that Health Canada put out a statement reiterating kind of the timeline that they're on and saying, you know, it seems like they are pretty sure they're going to have the uh, 5 to 11 dose of Pfizer approved by the end of this month, um, if not before. So then the conversation became, okay, we're going to be spending hundreds of dollars on ferry tickets and COVID tests and, you know, taking a Flex Friday and then and, and, you know, all of these admin stuff, are we going to have to go to a notary and get a note from my partner that it's okay for um, his child to travel across the border? Or is he going to have to come? And can he do that on the passport he has? Mm-hmm. All of this stuff um, is that that then became not worth what looks to be, you know, a, an advantage of, you know, two to three weeks at this point. Yeah. Um, so that's why we ultimately decided um, not to do it. Um, yeah, we. I will probably be full of regret if Health Canada doesn't ma- meet their timeline or the rollout is slow here. Um, but uh, yeah, that's ultimately what we decided was to wait. Okay. Did you uh, like discuss this with other parents and in, in your friend groups at all? Did anybody else have this idea? Yeah, absolutely. Like I had a friend saying like, let's carpool. <laughs> she has two kids within the five to 11 uh, span. And, you know, she basically, she was like, I cannot live another day with the stress of constantly worrying about um, my kids getting COVID and um, the guilt about sending them to school because she doesn't have, um, you know, the option as I do to send them to grandparent or that type of thing. Yeah, it's definitely. And I know um, I've talked to two other friends actually who are dual Canadian U.S. citizens talking about uh, wanting to take their kids over. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. Now you did say that you're going to wait uh, because the, the doses should be available quite soon in Canada. Um, but you are, you, you mentioned that you're, you're keeping your, your child out of in-person learning for the time being. Is the school being accommodating for that? Um, not, I, I wouldn't, I'm kind of hesitant to make a statement either way about that because I really feel for the educators and administrators and, um, you know, I think that they're doing the best they can, um, but without there being a hybrid learning option and being in a situation where we don't want to, um, you know, withdraw our child from um, our local catchment school um, to in order to enroll him in, you know, official homeschooling or whatever, um, there there isn't really any option for us. But I wouldn't go so far as to say that, you know, the teacher and school have not been accommodating. I personally am happy that no one um, has bugged us about it. Um, you know, there is the concern, like we are aware as parents that we have a, a legal obligation to educate our children and that the province does require um, that they be in some sort of program. It could be a, you know, self-design, home learning, uh, unschooling thing, but you, you have to be enrolled in something and have some way of um, proving to uh, the province that you're educating your child. And we don't currently have that. So, hmm. you know, we do feel a little vulnerable in that regard. Um, so in some ways, I find it accommodating that they haven't uh, made any fuss about that and have been okay with us basically 
just taking lots of sick days. Um, and we did have some uh, options for the week while we were isolating when the whole class was shut down. But of course, that's a situation where then, you know, a teacher has an entire class that's learning remotely versus, you know, in this case, our teacher has uh, 22, I think, students um, in the, the grade two split class. And so to then add, okay, now you need to create um, curriculum and learning opportunities for this remote uh, learner that you have out here. Um, that seems like a pretty tall order. Um, so basically, you know, once the hybrid learning options were removed, that um, that then seems to be too much to ask of, of a teacher. And, you know, honestly, for us too, it's like, it's grade two. So mm -hmm. um, we did have a conversation with the teacher about kind of what we could do and what kind of things we could work with my parents on. And, you know, basically she just said, you know, based on my assessment of where your child's strengths and weaknesses are, just like do a daily journal, get him to read a little story that's at his level every day, and that'll be fine. So, you know, we did get a bit of guidance at the outset, but we're not getting any, um, you know, actual curricula being provided mm -hmm. to us. I do understand that uh, a large part of your decision actually comes from the fact that your partner is in construction and could lose a lot of work uh, if there is a positive test or if you have to isolate again. Can you explain that a bit more? Absolutely. So this, it had not fully um, kind of gelled for us until we got the isolation notice from school a few weeks ago. When we look at the timelines, there's a possibility for, say, a child to be um, to be COVID positive. So then the entire family is considered a close contact. So we're required to isolate by law. And then it's not until, say, the 10th day of that isolation that then, you know, a parent is now symptomatic. So now we're all in isolation more. So we look at it and it's like it's not a reasonable thing. You could be even with everyone getting very mild cases of COVID and, you know, both adults being vaccinated and um, with children more likely to have mild cases, it's still not unreasonable to think that we would be in isolation for up to a month. Um, and obviously with my partner working in construction, he has no opportunity to work from home. Um, and he's uh, non-union and he doesn't have any like, you know, company provided sick days. Um, and honestly, we're confused about how effective any sick days that are being offered by the government would be. And mm. um, uh, the you know it, it's it, and regardless it's not sufficient time if um, you know uh, you're required to isolate as a close contact and then become symptomatic and now you're looking at you know 30 days um, plus so you know and then like many parents we we live pretty close to the the line right so then it's like well the goodbye savings account um, and that's it's not something that we want to risk especially given you know the proximity to to vaccine approval for this age group so um yeah and we definitely watched other families in our school going through it and that's been a big eye-opener like um you know definitely there's a, a you know woman i know on my street who was double vaxxed and um all three of her kids got covid um with it coming from school and um you know she also uh, got covid and so Mm -hmm. You know, it's you have to think about 
the level of, of viral load that you get from caretaking, um, you know, a tiny person who's like sneezing in your eye or, you know, licking your face as toddlers and little kids are prone to do, and it's going to be high. So, you know, we can't trust that just because we're vaccinated, we wouldn't get it if our kids got it. So, yeah, that was definitely a consideration for us. And my partner's work is quite busy right now. So it would be, you know, they would be looking, the company would be looking at, you know, deadlines uh, having to be extended and that type of thing if he had to be out for that long. So just all around, it it sort of dawned on us what a mess it would be if um, if anyone in our family got COVID. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure a lot of families have gone through that and also fear going through that. But the availability for children uh, is coming up and I assume that you'll be first in line. Absolutely. We already, we registered... Um, our kid as soon as that was opened to them. So we're there just waiting for the invitation <laughs> to book an appointment. And uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll be, we'll probably, if there's a, an opportunity to do the, um, to snag cancellation appointments or anything like that, we will be, we'll be right on it for sure once it's uh, open for his age group. Actually, I just have one more question um, before I, I let you go. Are you going to be putting your child back in class after the first dose or did you want to wait for both doses? Ideally, we would wait for both, but probably that timeline's not gonna gonna work for us. Yeah. Um, just in terms of him not being able to live with us and that being hard for our family. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we at this point we've kind of discussed like our comfort level would be if schools are continuing to mask, and um, you know, try to do like outdoor things and all of the you know. I don't think sufficient, but the measures that they are taking, if those are still in place and he has had one dose and is the, you know, 10 days out from the the one dose Mm -hmm. um, that that we would then be comfortable sending him back and find that that was, you know, there's no zero risk scenario, but we're looking for our kind of what's our family's acceptable level of risk scenario. Elise, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you sharing everything. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks for your interest in this uh, topic. Also, make sure to check out Brishti's story to see that graph we were talking about and get some more information. You can do that at capitaldaily.ca. And for daily COVID updates, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter, which you can also do at capitaldaily.ca. And if you want to help support Capital Daily's local journalism and connect to your business with our engaged and curious Greater Victoria audience of over 50,000, you can email our partnerships team at advertising at capitaldaily.ca. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review and also subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. We post new shows every Monday to Friday. My name is Jackie Lamport. This is the Capital Daily Podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow.